0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, I'm looking forward to spending some time with you. I'm noticing first service is full, which means I'm guessing we have some Packers fans in the house. Any Packers fans in the house? A couple of you. How about any Falcons fans in the house? That's not who they're playing the Falcons today? I'm actually a Falcon fan. You might not know this. I am. I am. I have two favorite teams. I talk about the Bears all the time. But my other favorite team is any team playing the Packers. So I'm super excited for the Falcons today. It's going to be a good day for the Falcons. Come on. Come on. Yeah, we got no need to throw things, Packers fans. I've even got my Bears socks on today just to cheer my team on. Someone was giving me a hard time. They said the Bears they're sleeping and i said well yeah that's true and i said but you know it's good for bears to hibernate cuz we're going to have a big year next year so we're just hibernating now and and that is okay. Well, uh, whatever brought you here, I'm just so glad you are here. It's fun to see friends who are visiting from out of town. Love having you here. If you're visiting from out of town, uh, if it's your first time here, I want to welcome you to New Life. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Uh, You're going to want to grab a few things that will guide us together on this journey, because we believe that it's important to start a journey from the same spot. And so when you walked in, you received a program, and in it uh, is your Start Here card. This is how we kind of get on the same page at the trailhead to start this journey. Uh, You'll put your name on on this. And if you're a guest with us, your contact information. And this is simply a way for you to have full access to our pastoral team. So we can pray for you, partner with you, resource you and your family in any way that you would prefer. So go ahead and get that ready. You're going to want some teaching notes as well, because I'll tell you where we're going and some of the Bible verses we're looking at today. Uh, but I need to warn you, Something happened this weekend as I, was, as I was working through this message and studying and prepping. I, I sensed that the Holy Spirit was saying to me, there's something, there's something more in this than you're teaching. There's something a little bit deeper in here that I need you to press into. And so I scrapped like three pages of my message and just kind of on the fly wrote a couple notes on there. Uh, which in theory, scrapping three pages should mean I go quicker. Um, But the fact that I only put one and two word sentences to kind of try to tease out something that is deep inside of me, uh, I just need to know if it's okay with you if I just go there today. Is that okay with you? Yeah? Okay. Well, if it's not, too bad because I have the microphone. So we're going to go there today. Um, I wonder when you think, we're just going to dive right in. When you think about what leads you to freedom in your life and this could be in a Christian context or just in life in general, when you think about what leads you to freedom, like how to get the most out of life, how to experience the most freedom, isn't it usually things that pop into your head? Like do this or say that or go there or or look at that or, or maybe the opposite. Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't look at that. I mean, isn't Isn't it true that for most of us, when we think about freedom, and again, whether you're in a Christian context or not, when we think about freedom, it usually translates to what we do with our hands, where we go with our feet, what we look at with our eyes, and what we say with our mouths, at least in theory. But in practice, we can go to the right places, we can do the right things, we can even say the right things. And not look at the wrong things and still kind of white-knuckle our way through life and never fully experience freedom. And I think that's because we need to go one step lower. That these are actions, but every action we do comes from everything we think. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? That our minds are these wonderfully complex things that our, our minds can lead us to actions that bring freedom, or our minds can lead us to actions, thoughts, words, pictures, that, that lead us to pain, hurt, brokenness, white-knuckling our way through life. If you don't believe me, just, just think back to a time when you were laying in bed one night, and you're about to go to sleep, and then something that happened at work runs across the screen of your mind. Someone said something about you. You got passed up for a promotion. Um, you overheard something at the, the water cooler that, that got, you, uh, got you upset. Or maybe you heard they were going to downsize at your company. And you're not in that moment at, at that point. You're at home in bed, maybe laying next to your spouse, um, maybe by yourself, but you're, you're in bed. But all of a sudden, your mind has taken you somewhere else. And you just start thinking, oh, I can't believe they said that about me. Oh, I can't believe I got passed up. And your mind is churning. You've ever had these moments and you can't fall asleep and you're, oh, and your spouse leans over to like snuggle you and you're like foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog. And they think you're going to hit them. And they're like, what's going on? Because they haven't said anything. They just want to lay in bed with you and, and, and love you. And your mind has trapped you in a moment that you can't actually do anything about because it happened then or it's going to happen next week. But our minds hold some power, don't they? Our minds have the power to trap us in stories about ourselves, in stories about others. If you're a Jesus follower, or even if you're not, I would say this, our minds have the ability to trap us in stories about God, good stories about God, untrue stories about God, and they're painted by all sorts of pictures. It could be uh, you were raised in a church and the pastor used to just beat on their podium. And the story of God is that God is a judge just waiting to get me when I do something wrong. Or you were maybe raised in a, a faith system where doing the right things was applauded. And so your story about God is if I just do enough right things, I will get enough recognition, then I will finally feel good about myself sometime. So we have all these stories, all these tapes, all these, all these narratives. And the truth is our minds can trap us with these, these tapes. Or our minds can free us if we sense God speaking new tapes into our lives. And we're in this series called Can You Hear Me Now? And the series is all about the idea that if there is a God, and here at New Life we believe there is, and that God revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ, and that God, that God is a speaking God. And if there's a speaking God who is good, and Ron reminded us our first week of this series on New Year's Day, that of all the ways that God could describe God's self, the number one story that Jesus tells about God is that God is like a perfect, loving, powerful, heavenly father. He could have used judge, he could have used sustainer. he could have used all sorts of words, but Jesus chose to say when he talked about God that God is like a father. And Ron reminded us that if God is like a father, it's not arrogant to assume that God wants to speak to us, because any good, loving, perfect father wants to have a dialogue with their children. And we're told that when we enter into a relationship with God, we become part of this community, this family of faith, where God is our father, and God speaks to us. And so we're pressing into the question, well, how, when God speaks, how do we know? And so last week we talked about the fact that when God does choose to speak to us, we should figure out how to mark those moments, because those moments are monumental moments, life-changing moments for us. And I talked about different ways to build monuments, and in my humble but correct opinion, it was a pretty good sermon. So if you missed it, you can go onto our website and check it out because it was pretty good. I'm not joking. We got flooded out the week before, so I had two weeks to really chew on this. And if you're like, it wasn't that good, hey, that's the best I got after two weeks. So I'm sorry. I do what I can. But today we're going to talk, and for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about specific ways that God chooses to speak to us, because there are at least three unique and specific ways that God likes to speak to us. And what I've asked us to consider doing over these next three weeks is, as we talk about each of these specific ways that God speaks, if you sense, you know what, I, I, I kind of think God has spoken to me in those ways. I'm asking us that we just write a story down on here. So in your program, you've got these little pieces of paper, there's all sorts of different colors that I'm asking, like, as I'm speaking today, if you sense, you know what, I think I've sensed God speaking to me in that way, write it down. Because we're going to, as a church, build our own sort of monument or remembrance to when God speaks. So in the last week of this series, we're going to have these up on somehow, displayed somehow. I haven't really figured that out yet. There are more creative people than me. All I could come up with was a rectangular piece of paper with a logo in the corner. That was the best I could do. But we're going to display these somehow to remember when God speaks. So as you get ready. Just be writing that down. If you hit a low point in this message, just go ahead and write it down. That's fine. That's fine. But when we think about God speaking, we think about usually two different things. We think um, about God speaking with something called specific revelation. When you and I think about God speaking, we think something like this. God, should I take a new job? The clouds open up and we sense God saying yes or no. God, should I marry this person? And we're waiting for a green light, a yellow light, or a red light. God, should I stay with the person I married? God, should I take a step and get help in, in some sort of addictive or destructive pattern in my life? And we're waiting for God to speak specifically to us. And God does speak to us in that way. And next week, Pastor Ron's going to lay out a little bit of how God speaks in that specific way and how we can, how we can kind of um, discern and figure out if that's God's voice speaking or my voice is speaking. Uh, or just the bad burrito I had last night. That's what we're going to look at next week. But no such thing as a bad burrito. Amen. But for today, I want to talk about a different way that God speaks to us that we we don't always put in the category of God speaking. And it's the most common way that God chooses to speak to us. God chooses to speak to us through something called general revelation in the Bible. That in the Bible— God actually reveals his will for us in a general sense, that God has actually already spoken to us. That anytime we wanted to, we could actually grab a Bible and open it up and and see where God has already spoken in a general sense. And here's the great thing about God. God believes in you to to the sense that God believes that as he reveals general wisdom principles to us, that we are highly intelligent and we're intelligent enough to take those general principles and translate them into specific situations. So for example, we get into a situation and we think, should I, should I take that job? That's a general, or that's a specific revelation. God, should I take that job? And God says, well, you know what I say about ethics in my word? I've revealed to you about ethics and you say to God, well, God, I, I don't know if this job is very ethical. The business structure looks a lot like a pyramid, so I can't really tell, like, uh, you know, or, or God, should I, should I marry that person? That's specific. Did you know that God actually speaks to us in general revelation about the type of person that he would invite us to marry? The character they have, um, the way they treat others, the way they understand their relationship with God. He gives us general, and then God oftentimes trusts us let that sink in because uh, if you were in a high control church growing up, you were in a church that said you are not trustworthy, therefore I need to tell you every single rule you need to follow. I mean, cults go to the extreme that they tell you who you can marry, who you can't marry, but it comes from this idea that people cannot be trusted. So we need to spell out everything for them. But God is different than that. God says, I I actually believe you can be trusted. Which is why I give you general revelation in my word. Principles to understand what it looks like to live with me and, and understand yourself and understand other people. And then I trust you enough to make wise decisions based on my revelation. Jesus says that there are certain things about the Bible, about his word, that change what's going on here. Because he believes that if we can change what's going on here, it will actually change the things we say, the places we go, the things we do. Not from a high control standpoint, but from a, hey, do you realize this is actually the best thing for you sort of way? And there's a guy named Paul who's one of my favorite guys. He wrote the majority of the New Testament of the Bible. I mean, he's just this like incredibly deep thinker, very practical, but he's also like a type A driven guy. He's also pretty sensitive. Like a couple, I don't know, a month and a half ago, we talked about, is Paul a male chauvinist? And I said, no, Paul's not a male chauvinist. He's actually a pretty sensitive guy. And Paul says this thing that flies in the face of action-oriented freedom in the way that we understand the Bible. He says this in the book of Romans chapter 12. And I know you've heard this before, But I want you to think about it new today. He says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world. And that word conform in the original language uh, has a passive sense to it, meaning that you don't actually have to do anything to conform to the patterns of this world. You just have to go about life and you will conform. There's no action that you take. If you want to get what everybody else is doing, just stay in the road everyone else is on. You'll finally get there eventually. So he says, Don't conform. To the patterns of this world instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you'll be able to test and approve what god's will is and he says god's will is it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect it's not heavy it's not condemning it's good it's pleasing it's perfect so he says instead of conforming to the pattern of this world be transformed be changed And that word transform is this really cool word. I don't use a lot of Greek words because really, who cares? But this one's kind of cool, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's both a Packers fan and Greek, this guy up here. I'm so sorry. Please come back someday after the Packers lose this weekend. Um, Too soon. All right. All right. right. It says, be transformed. And, And the Greek word transformed is this word metamorphou. Which is where we get the word metamorphosis, which is what a caterpillar does when it becomes a butterfly. It goes through a process of metamorphosis. And here's the intriguing thing if you've ever studied caterpillars, which I know you have, but just bear with me. If you've ever studied caterpillars, if you took a caterpillar uh, to a scientist and said, I want you to tell me the DNA of a caterpillar, here's what a scientist would tell you the DNA of that caterpillar is the exact same DNA of the butterfly it will become. So that caterpillar has in it, right now as a caterpillar, everything that it needs to be a butterfly. Now think about that for a second. You don't look at a caterpillar and say, caterpillar, shape up. One day you're going to be a butterfly. Caterpillar, you better lose some weight or you're not going to be able to fly. Ah." No, no. A caterpillar in its DNA... I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. A caterpillar in its DNA already is a butterfly. And Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Metamorphosis by the, not not by your actions. He doesn't say be transformed by your church attendance, although you might experience transformation when you attend church it opens the door. Don't be transformed by your giving, although giving might create something in your heart that leads to transformation. He doesn't say it's about actions. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when he talks about transformation, there are two types of transformation that we experience as Jesus followers. There is is initial transformation. When you say to God, God, I believe. I believe that you are who you say you are that you gave your life for me in Jesus Christ, that you lived, died, rose again to pay the penalty for my sins so that I could be adopted into God's family as God's child. And according to God, that is our first transformation. When we have that moment, our, our sins are forgiven by God because Jesus paid the price for our sins. When we have that moment, God's Holy Spirit fills us and changes us from the inside. Because before that, we had, we had this thing called sin, which is the things that we think and say and do that lead us down paths we don't want to go down. And it had control of us. But when we become Jesus followers, God fills us with His Spirit, and His Spirit is more powerful than that sin that lives in us. And it begins to change us from the inside. When we have that initial transformation in God, we become part of God's family, and this journey begins. But then there's a second transformation that happens to every follower of Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about here. And it is when our minds begin to think the things that God actually thinks about us. But most of us, if we're really honest, we would say this. It's God's job to do the first transformation. God saved us by his grace, his unmerited favor. It's God's job to do the first transformation. But it's my job to do the second transformation that I better live up to God. That I, can I get some nods here? Somebody let me know that you're tracking with me. She gets it. Okay, let me try to explain this, that God saved me. Now I need to prove to God that it's a good investment. God gave his life for me, so I better shape up to show God that I'm worth saving. And it only gets us white knuckling because transformation never happens initially with our hands, what we do. Transformation doesn't happen initially with our feet, where we go. It doesn't happen initially with our mouth, what we say, or our eyes, what we look at. Transformation is an internal process that God begins when we give our life to him. And then track with me here. God continues as we walk with him. That all of transformation is God's business. All of transformation is God's business. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We think oftentimes becoming a Christian means that God has saved me, now I need to start acting like it. I need to shape up or ship out. And we go one of two ways. We either shape up to the extent that we've fixed all the acceptable stuff or we ship out and say, God never actually did his part to fix me. But the truth is we never gave God the chance because it was self-help at best. Instead, Paul says, do you want to be set free? Do it by changing what's going on in here. By renewing your mind. God gives us, when we become followers of Jesus, a desire to rewrite stories. He gives us this Holy Spirit so that when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit says, this thing right here, this is a lie you've been believing about God or about yourself or about community. The point of the Bible is not to give us a bunch of rules that we have to follow to prove to God that we were thankful for him saving us. That's not the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible is to point us to God so that God can rewrite our stories about ourselves, who I am as God's child, about each other, who you are as God's child, and how we interact with each other, about God, who God really is. Because our stories about God, boy, they're as varied as we are. And when we read the Bible, God's spirit continues the process of transformation. God does it. By renewing our minds. So when you and I spend time with God, whether it's in community at church or in community at life group or on our own, listening to a podcast, reading our Bible, reading a devotional, we're not actually investing 5, 10, 15 minutes trying to figure out what to do right. We're actually investing time trying to figure out what kind of stories God wants to write, what kind of narratives God wants to change. We're allowing God the process of transforming us. And that's ultimately God's job. Paul goes on to say, and it's not in your notes anymore. This is what happens when I free flow. He goes on to say that, that he who began a good work in you, that began the transformation, that he will carry it on to completion. Now, how many of us have believed in our lives that he began a good work, now I have to carry it on to completion? And so we start collecting rules and laws, and it weighs us down. And all of a sudden, Christianity that was supposed to free us becomes a weight around our necks. We're going to do this study on Wednesday nights that I'm so excited about, and it goes by a myriad of names. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what the (laughs) title of it is. It's Wednesday Night Gathering, Deep Discipleship with Rev Kev, Margaritas at Communion. That was one of the titles. If you want to know why, grab the FAQ sheet. Uh, hump day discipleship. We've gone through all sorts of names for it. You have forgiven me when I've offended you because that's what we do when we rewrite stories. But the whole idea of our Wednesday night gatherings is to press into this idea that he who began a good work, he carries it on to completion. That he gave us the Bible not to give us a bunch of laws and rules that we have to follow in order to earn our salvation, but that he gave us the Bible to tell us who he is and who we are and what it looks like to walk together in community. Because Jesus promises that that is actually what leads to freedom, that rules and laws don't lead to freedom. I love what Paul says uh, in the book of Galatians, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay. Paul says in this book called Galatians, it's, it's one of my favorites now, like I love Galatians because it's like Romans but shorter uh, and I like that. Paul says in Galatians, who fooled you, you crazy Galatians? Who bewitched you, he says. He says you were saved, that first, trans, that first uh, transformation, you were saved by God's grace. But you've converted to a different gospel or good news of law, and works, which he says is really no good news at all because it'll never lead you to the freedom you want. He says, who has deceived you to think that God saves you and then you have to pay him back and earn it back? That's no grace at all. That's law. And law only builds burdens. So God speaks to us through his word, but the whole point is not to give us more laws. It's to help us understand who he is. And Wednesday nights, we're going to press into that. And if you have not, if you have not. Decided whether or not you're going to jump in. I think you're going to love it. But then Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians, our role in this whole thing. And our role is this. He says uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I love what he says. We take every, not action captive, not every sight captive, not every place we go captive. He says we take every thought captive captive and make it obedient to Christ. And it's a word picture of hand-to-hand combat. Paul's saying, if you're ever in hand-to-hand combat with someone and you've got an enemy and you capture them, you take them captive, what do you do? Do you let them run around in camp? You say, hey, I I captured you. I won that battle, but you know what? I'm not going to hold on to you. I'm just going to let you go ahead, go on my campsite, do whatever you want. No, it would wreak havoc in your campsite. You would lose the battle. In the same way, Paul says, That our role in this journey of God rewriting stories is to take every thought captive. Grab it and ask, does that line up with who God says God is? That thought that I'm having about God? Does that thought that I have about God line up with who God says that I am as his child? Does that thought that I'm having about my spouse line up with who God says they are? Does that thought that I'm having about my kids line up with who God says they are? And if not, he says, I want you to put it in a stranglehold and hold, that's what I, That's why I read it, and take it into submission. Make it obedient to God, like, like that, Just take it in. Don't get in a wrestling match with me. I've been reading my Bible. I know how to take things captive now and make them obedient to God. That's our part. God's part. So rewrite stories for us. Our part. Our part. And this is our sole part. This is, our, this is the most important part. And if we miss this at Christian, as Christians, Christianity becomes nothing more than self-help and rules and laws. Nothing more. God's part is to rewrite narratives. Our part is to believe what God says is true is actually true. That's good. You should write that down. Our part is to believe that what God says is true is actually true. Because when we have the right narratives, it will lead us to the right actions. And I've been wrestling with this as your pastor recently, thinking, well, if I don't tell people what they should do, they could do anything. It'd be chaos. And the Holy Spirit keeps whispering to me, you don't want a church where people just obey. You want a church where people are transformed and free. You want a church where the leadership trusts people, this is what the Holy Spirit's saying to me, as much as I trust them. No more, no less. And God's been saying, my job. And this is what God does in the Bible. The question is, does God speak? He already has. We've got a Bible right there. What a, what a gift. Can you imagine? What a gift. God says, my, my role is to rewrite narratives, rewrite stories. And then our role as Jesus followers is to believe that what God says is true is true. And then let God work the rest of it out. And I'm telling you, it leads to like a ah, sort of faith. Isn't that what we all want? Like a a, ah, sort of life. I mean, we don't, we, we don't sit around staring at our navels all day. But we aren't burdened under a load. We don't trade life apart from God, and that's got its own burdens, for a life with God where we are burdened. That's not how God designed Christianity. We trade a life with God where we are living under the burden of our own sin. We trade that for a life with God, where he has taken our sin and removed it from us and we live as his children in a new reality. Boy, that is like a, ah, sort of moment. So how do we start? I'm back to my notes for the last quarter of a page. How do we start? Three ideas. If if you want to start understanding who God is, start reading the Gospels of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But I would ask you this, don't read those to figure out a new list of rules. Start reading those to get to know Jesus. Who is this Jesus? What kind of stories does he tell about life and relationships and people? Huh. Just start reading them to get to know Jesus. A lot of us have read those books to try to figure out what we're supposed to do next. What if we started reading them just to get to know Jesus? And then once you read through that, I would say move to the book of Acts because the the book of Acts talks about these communities of Jesus followers who formed community after Jesus lived, died, and rose again with God's spirit living in them. So if you want a next set, maybe read the book of Acts and just start asking this question, what did they believe? What were the right things they believed about God? And what were some of the wrong things that they had to kind of weed out? Because we all have some wrong things that we believe. And then, once you get past that, you could read some of the letters. I would say read in this order because the letters start to give direct, they're more directive, lots of, of things to do. But they all come from a certain belief. So, first and second Corinthians, first, second Peter, James. Um, I would say Galatians. We'll probably be pressing into that on Wednesday nights a little bit. Galatians might be a good one for us to read. And if you get past that, come talk to me. Right? If you're still reading, like, hey, way to go! Come talk to me. I'll tell you what I would read next. Um, it always goes back to Genesis, just to give you a heads up. I love the book of Genesis. I love me some Genesis, but you don't have to. We'll find the right book for you, but I love me some Genesis. Um, if you're here, this was an odd sermon, but like I'm loving it. So I'm going to do it again to, like in an hour, and it's going to be even better. So if you want to stick around, it's even better. DVR the, the game, and then you can skip commercials. Just enjoy it. Um, I want to talk to you for a second. If you've never experienced the first transformation, that one where you would would say, I know there was a moment or a time or a season where I believed that I was all there was. I lived for myself, by myself, with myself, because who else really was there? And then I had a moment where I realized, oh, no, wait, there is a God who loves me deeply and cares about me and has a plan for me. If you've never had a moment where you've said, yeah, this sin thing, this weight, boy, it is heavy. And then realized, oh, but there's a God who's not like the other gods of this world. The other gods of this world say, you better get good enough to get to me. The God of the Bible says, you are over here in your own filth and I left heaven and I got to you. And he's the only God, Christianity is the only world religion that says that God loved us so much that he came to us. He did not expect us to get to him because the truth is we can't get to him. If you've never experienced that first transformation with God, I want to give you a chance to do that now. To simply say to God, yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I want to walk with you. Yes, I want to be in this relationship with you. If that's you, I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you a chance to do that now. So would you join me as we pray? Holy Spirit, uh, you promise us that you translate for us exactly what we need in specific moments. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would translate this conversation that I feel like we're having right now into each of our lives. And I'm asking God that if I have some friends here who have never yet experienced that initial transformation with you, that God, you would reveal yourself to them now that they would say yes to you. And if that's you, I want to give you a chance to say yes to God right now. You can just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave yourself for me so that I could experience your forgiveness and enter into your family. So would you come and would you guide me on this journey of life, Lord? Would you rewrite my stories about you, about myself, about others, so that I can walk with you to the freedom that you offer? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.